It's your Locked On Flyers podcast for Thursday, May 5th, your daily dose of Flyers news, analysis, and high-quality content that is wishing you a happy Cinco de Mayo. Stay thirsty, my friends. Exactly. Your Locked On Flyers, your daily podcast on the Philadelphia Flyers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. I am Rachel Donner. You can find me on Twitter at rmiriam. You can find my partner in crime, Russ Cohen, here on Twitter at Sportsology. Thanks for making us your first listen every day. You can follow us on Twitter at Lockdown Flyers. You'll keep up to date on all the Flyers news and our episodes. You can also email us at LockdownFlyers at gmail.com. On today's show, we are going to continue our playoff bandwagon series. We're going to have Russ's picks on today's show. Very excited to bring you that. We're going to discuss the Minnesota Wild and Toronto Maple Leafs. We are also going to have our Thursday prospect profile with our draft eligible prospect Joachim Kemmel, who is really fascinating. Locked on Flyers is free and available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Odyssey, wherever you are listening. So subscribe, you'll get all of our episodes here on the Locked On Podcast Network. All right, so continuing our playoff bandwagon series, we're back with one of Russ's picks for this year's NHL playoffs, the Minnesota Wild. And we are thrilled to welcome from Locked on Wild, friend of the show, Seth Topol. Hey, how are you guys doing? Good. So the Minnesota Wild, uh, we've had you on the show before to talk about the team, uh, a really solid season, I think, overall for the Minnesota Wild. But, you know, if you're talking to Flyers fans, what's your elevator pitch to get them to root for the Wild this playoffs? So I think it comes down to the fun players to watch aspect for me. You've got obviously one of the most fun players in the league to watch in Kirill Kaprizov, who is capable by himself of taking over games and uh, putting the team on his back for lengthy stretches. But it's not just like... It's not just the the play style. It's just how flashy he is with the puck. I think his thing has become skating around the opponent in their zone, just trying to find a spot to really attack. And between that, some of the flashy between-the-legs passes that he has attempted successfully uh, throughout his tenure as uh, a wild forward, he just he's a really fun player to watch. And so you couple that with Kevin Fiala, who is having one of the most successful seasons in franchise history that's being completely overshadowed by what uh, Kaprizov has done. You got a pretty fun one two combo for this team um, that is is easy to root for, easy to watch. Not only that, but you also have the uh, the goalie stylings of Mike Mark Andre Fleury, who Got a little dinged up against the uh, the Blues in game one, but, you know, he plays as flashy of a style of goaltending as there is in the league. And so the Wilds come in to the playoffs with a lot of style, a lot of sizzle, and uh, a, a very worthy candidate for teams that are looking for somebody to uh, to root for throughout these playoffs. 
I can't disagree with any of that. Actually, I'm a big Fiala guy. Uh, let's talk about, though, um, their power play. So their power play is going to sink or swim them, sink sink them, or they're gonna or they're gonna just do okay if they connect on it. Their issue with it is, and you know, we already saw, if you get some power plays early and you don't connect on them, it really can derail your game. And I guess you're used to seeing that. I kind of ignored the vital signs on that or the warning signs that other people were telling me because you know generally this season's been great and they have a good scoring team but they've got to fix that they really do yeah it's it comes down to for me the difference between being passive on special teams and aggressive on special teams and when the wilds power play is struggling as it did in game one going over six being way too passive, moving the puck around the outer edges of the zone, trying to find that perfect shot that often doesn't materialize. Now, that's not to say that that all of the power plays were in that similar style. There were a couple uh, against the Blues where the Wilds kind of turned the aggression up and just couldn't connect on opportunities. When the Wilds are peppering the net and are moving the puck around when they need to, but not relying necessarily on moving the puck when they're peppering the net and uh, they're letting Kirill Kaprizov and Kevin Fiala do their thing. And when those guys are looking to score, that's when the power play is good. And we saw that near the end of the season and I kind of just reverted back to old form in game one against the blues. And it's the same thing on the penalty kill, which has been just a huge Achilles heel for this team all season. There was a shift in when this team started to meet the opponent at the top of the zone and deny them clean entry into it. That's when we started Hmm. to see some better results on the penalty kill. When the Wild kind of get pulled back in to right in front of the net, that's, that's when they are at their worst on the penalty kill. And we saw that against St. Louis, where the Blues basically had guys camping out that they're not even looking for right in front of the net for easy tap-in rebounds. And so if the Wild are aggressive on both units, they have success. And you know it comes down to, too, if you're on the penalty kill, trust your goalie to make saves. Just worry about playing the puck and making it mm-hmm. difficult for the opponent. And so... Aggression or being too passive, success, not success. For me, at least, it, it's it's pretty easy to tell when things aren't working because it, it seems like they fall into the same habits. So I'm going to follow up with, on the aggression part, I actually think this is the first time in my life that NHL referees have actually carried over what they were calling in the regular season as to what they're going to keep calling in the playoffs. They usually don't. Usually they swallow the whistles. We always hear, let the boys play, all that stuff. But for players like Jordan Greenway, it seemed like a big shock to the system because he had been getting away with certain things in the regular season because he's a physical player, and now he can't. To me, that's a learning curve that they literally just have one game to figure out. Yeah, it's it's tough because everything is so magnified in the postseason as compared to the regular season where you're you're running into the blues, you know, a couple of months into the season, you might have guys out of the lineup and, and you have until the next matchup against that team to try to iron things out whereas in the postseason game 1 off day, game 2, 
and you're right back against the same team with pretty much the same mix. And I, I like the uh, I like the notion of, of a learning curve for this wild team because it did seem like the officiating played things pretty tight with the anticipation that this is going to be a physical series. They know it's going to be. Yeah, trying to trying to establish order at the beginning of the series as opposed to losing control of it at the end. And so not only that, but the Wild have been one of the best teams, I think, in the NHL in terms of bouncing back from adversity. And they certainly handled plenty of it in game one. And so that all leads me to believe that the Wilds are going to have a a better looking product in game two. And if they end up going to Cam Talbot and net and maybe making a couple of other lineup tweaks, I'd still give them a great chance to win game two. Yeah, the Wild are down one game to the Blues as of recording. You mentioned going to Cam Talbot. He is one of two ex-Flyers on the Minnesota Wild, including Hartman. And so is that enough for Flyers fans to latch on to the Wild, do you think? Ryan Hartman, to me, is a player that just he is fun to watch because he does all the things that a lot of NHL players don't like to do. He plays a very gritty, very, very grimy style of hockey. And I don't mean that in a disrespectful way. He just, he prides himself on being a guy that battles every single opportunity to get the puck. And obviously he had a career season with Kirill Kaprizov and Matt Zuccarello um, on his line with him. So that, uh, that is a draw. And I was midway through this season pretty critical of cam talbot's performance when the goaltending had kind of come unglued mm-hmm. guy has been absolutely rock solid over the last couple of months for this team and is a really easy guy to root for he owns up to nights where he doesn't have his best stuff he he talks to the media after bad games he he is somebody that does not shy away from the spotlight even when it's negative and so you look at those two guys and as former flyers go a, a pretty easy couple of flyers to, uh, to root for. Yeah. I'm also going to go with the, the building and the fans. I think flyers fans could look at the wild fans and say, yeah, they're a lively bunch, but that XL energy center is one of the nicest in the league. I, I, I absolutely love it. And it has been so fun this season to see after no fans in the stands, limited fans in the stands. It has been so fun to see fans come back to the XL Energy Center. And you look at the attendance numbers and the Wilds, on average, sold out more than their capacity at the X this year. And so the fans here in Minnesota love this team. They bleed red and green. They, um, they follow this team all the way to the end. There's about as passionate of a bunch as you'll find. The state of hockey, they really mean it uh, here in Minnesota. And, you know, we we all want to see that first Stanley Cup um, for this team. It's just a matter of it. Uh, is it going to happen this year? Is it going to happen sometime down the line? But uh, you'll find no more passionate fans in the NHL than you will in Minnesota. It seems that way. And Chuck Fletcher will tell us I'm the same, I'm sure, about Minnesota. Um you know, you talked about kind of the fun factor with the Wild and the fan base. Is there something in particular that the team does or that 
fan groups do or something from a social media perspective or just out there on the internet that is especially like fun or exciting to you? The camaraderie for this team, this year's team, I think has been something that's been really fun to follow. Um, and it's not to say that it's something that's unique to Minnesota or unique to the wild. It just, with what has happened with this franchise over the last few seasons, you know, the Zach Parise and Ryan Suter years in which those guys did things a very particular way. Um, it's being done a completely different way with this group of players. And it really feels like everybody in that locker room has even footing and look at the guys that they, they brought in at the trade deadline, Jacob Middleton, Nick Delorier, Marc-Andre Fleury, uh, Tyson Jost. Those guys all rave about the, uh, the chemistry that this group has. And it really has the, band of brothers feel to it and it just again makes this team super easy to root for because all of those guys are laying everything they have out there on the line every single night for the guy that they're paired up with on defense or one of their line mates on offense it just it's a group that is doing everything solely for their teammates on the ice so again very easy to root for in uh, in that capacity and um, yeah just a, just another reason why I think the uh, the wild are a good choice for uh, for any fans that want to hop on somebody uh, for the rest of these playoffs awesome well Seth thank you so much once again for joining us on lockdown flyers good luck to the wild moving forward in this series and uh, hopefully we'll be seeing good things for your sake for Russ's sake and uh <laughs> Sounds great. Appreciate the time. Uh, sorry to hear about uh, former wild coach Mike Yo being let go. <laughs> um, yeah. But uh, we'll we'll leave that one alone. Uh, I'm going to go get uh, geared up for a, hopefully a wild win in game two. And uh, we'll uh, we'll see what happens from there. Okay, great. W where can people find you out there, Seth? Make sure you're following Locked on Wilds on wherever you listen to podcasts, also on YouTube and on social media as well. It's that easy. Just search Locked on Wild and you'll find everything you need to stay up to date on your favorite team in the state of hockey, the Minnesota Wild. Locked on Wilds, available wherever you listen to your podcasts. I want to take a moment to talk to you about Athletic Greens. I started using the Athletic Greens because I wanted better gut health, more energy, optimized immune system, and hated taking pills and vitamins. I also, and I wanted a supplement that actually tastes great. With one delicious scoop of Athletic Greens, you're absorbing 75% high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole, fo whole food sourced superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and aging. It costs you less than $3 a day. You're investing in your health, and it's cheaper than your cold brew habit. It's lifestyle-friendly whether you eat keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, or gluten-free. Athletic Greens contains less than one gram of sugar, no GMO, no nasty chemicals, or anything, artificial anything, while still tasting good. Athletic Greens supports better sleep quality and recovery, and it supports mental clarity and alertness. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition, especially heading into the flu and cold season. 
It's just one scoop and in a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you one a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash NHL Network. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash NHL Network to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Thanks for making Locked On Flyers your first listen every day. For your next listen, check out the Locked On Now podcast. It's nightly recaps of every NHL game with analysis from all our local experts. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, so we have our last NHL playoffs bandwagon option here. Russ's Eastern Conference pick that is the Toronto Maple Leafs. We are thrilled to welcome from Locked On Leafs, David Morissuti. Welcome, David. Thank you guys for having me. And thank you, Russ, for putting us up there. Well, you know, I, I can't ignore the good play. I can't go with the sometimes the passive aggressiveness or negativity that Leafs fans will have and just say, well, we're going to lose, even though you're a good team. Like, I just I had to ignore that. Yeah, it's uh, it's from years and years of disappointment. It's uh, I, I would say some Leafs fans just have lost all that feeling. Relatable, definitely relatable as Flyers fans. So, in terms of the Leafs, what is your thirty thousand foot elevator pitch as to why people should be rooting for the Leafs this playoffs? Well, if you're a person that doesn't like to see a fan base suffer then you should obviously be supporting the Leafs because God knows it's been really, really, really tough the last, I mean, we're, we're, we're almost approaching the 60-year mark with the with the Stanley Cup drought and the first round, getting out of the first round drought. Thank you very much for the Flyers. For the, <laughs> uh, maybe, maybe we need to face the Flyers in the playoffs. Maybe that's what the hockey guys are trying to tell us. That's why we haven't been able to get over that first round hump yet. But yeah, no, I and I think just the exciting young stars on this team, Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner. If you want to see the best players go on further in the playoffs, you want to see Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner move on past the Tampa Bay Lightning. I like the way they they work the penalty kill. They've never been this aggressive before, and it's not just what they got on on Tampa as far as the odd man rushes. They've been doing that all year. I think they did notice that Ryan McDonough is definitely injured. And so having him on the top pair, there's a little bit of a weakness there. They seem to be taking advantage of it. Yeah, just let everybody know what they're capable of as far as at least getting these odd man rushes and and shorthanded chances. I'm going to steal my co-host line. Uh, Mike Deceptor likes to call it. Not the penalty kill, but the power kill. Pretty much yep. the Leafs are all about making the other team defend when they're on the power play. It's a it's a great strategy. I mean, the aggressiveness has worked out quite well. This is uh they led the league in shorthanded goals this year. You know, they got guys that can produce offensively on the penalty kill, which, you know, you normally don't see too much. And they the whole penalty kill has been reimagined this year. You know, past years, you know, Zach Hyman would be the guy taking the face offs. Zach Hyman wasn't even a center when he was on the Leafs. So like they, they've they've really done a good job of revitalizing the whole penalty kill. And I think the idea of we're not going to just stand back and let these teams just take shots galore on us. We're going to make this very tough on them. And 
they did a really good job. If when you watch that in game one of, of attacking the point, not just having one guy there, but they had two guys up there at times, and you know, not letting the fly, the, not letting Tampa set get themselves set in the zone. They they like to move. They don't like to be too stationary at times. Because then that just allows the other team to settle in, and they did a good job of letting Tampa know that you you got to you have to play with purpose against the least penalty kill. Because if you're too passive, their aggressiveness is going to give them a very tough time, and it did in game one. Absolutely, I think that was a huge part of that that game one victory. As far as the matchup overall. How do you see, like, beyond that power kill, how do you see the Leafs pushing through and winning this series? You know what? I, I think one thing that gave me some concern was the goaltending, right? Because Andre Vasilevsky, mm-hmm. we know what he's capable of. We've seen what he has done when Tampa has gone on these long playoff runs. He has been the best player on the team, I think. And so I was concerned that, you know, the Leafs have had really tough times against good goaltenders like what Carey Price did to them last year. You know, he was just on another level. So I was concerned that a good cold tender was going to frustrate these Leafs shooters, but Tampa did Andre Vasilevsky no favors. So what I think we saw, what I I like about this matchup for the Leafs is as good as Tampa's depth is, I think the Leafs even, their depth is even better. Their top end stars kind of negate Tampa's top end stars. And then they got guys that can contribute in different ways and they're healthy. I think that's the important thing for the Leafs is not only are they healthy, but they've given guys time off. And Tampa, you're seeing some of that prolonged playoff, you know, all of those years that they've gone deep. I think it's starting to catch up to them a little bit. These guys don't have the ability to go as deep, in my opinion. I think the Leafs are, they know exactly what they need to do to beat Tampa. They did it in game one. They've done it a few times this year. Um, they just, if Tampa gives you an opening, you got to take it. And the Leafs have been waiting for this opportunity to prove it. I think having a team of this caliber like Tampa to go up against was the right choice for the Leafs because it just makes them have to prepare that much more for the playoffs, not mm-hmm. thinking that they're the ones who are favored. Having that a bit of underdog mentality, I think, has pushed this Leafs team to another level. Yeah, and I think um, Vasilevsky, well, I know he's faced more shots. He's played more minutes. He's got, you know, he looks a little tired out there. So I think that's that's good for the Leafs, too. Something the Flyers may be able to relate to here. They need sort of really good, low-cost free agents. And since the Leafs are all capped out, Ilya Mikhaev could be like a guy that doesn't get to re-sign in Toronto just because they can't afford him. And Philly could use a guy like that. You know what? He, uh, there was some concern of whether he was even going to play on the Leafs this year. Because he went up, and if you watch the or nothing Amazon series, he went to Kyle Dubas and and Sheldon Keefe and said, "I believe I should be playing a bigger role on this team." And he's also looking out for himself contract wise too, right? Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. if he's stuck lower in the lineup, that impacts what he's going to make out on the market. But I, I feel like what the Leafs are dealing with Ilya McCabe is, is going to be the similar thing with Zach Hyman, where he's a really good player. He brings a lot of good things to the team. But are you going to? shell out what he wants versus maybe you take what you would have saved there and do it, put it around to the other parts of the team. Like the Leafs would not have been able to have the depth that they have this year. If they signed Zach Hyman, right? David Kanth, Michael Bunting, Andre Kasha, keep McKay. You've got, you know, all these guys that are a part of the team would not have been able to 
be here really if it wasn't for that decision to let Hyman go. And I think any if if Mikheyev decides that you know not only does he want to be a top six player because he's proven to be that right now, so that's going to really help his market value. I think a team, any team that signs him, is going to be a much happier seeing his offensive output because he's been yep. snaking quite a bit. He had the wrist injury that really took a lot out of him and he couldn't get back to that player he once was when he first came to Toronto and then this season he's taken his game to another level so if he does leave I think a team like I mean Philly would definitely I think like his style he's got that tenacity he's got the speed and he's added the offensive output to it so that just makes him an even more dangerous player um, that if if the Leafs do lose him it's going to be a very tough one because you got to find someone to replace all those intangibles he's brought. And it's very hard to find all that in one player. Yeah, it, it sounds like a, a really good option if the Flyers can make some room, I think. Uh, as far as you know, the Leafs' current team right now, are there any kind of unheralded heroes that would be fun for Flyers fans to keep an eye on? Because I know, you know we all know about the Matthews, the Marner, Oh, that's a really good question, right? Because we always, I, I think the easy answer is like Michael Bunting because he came mm-hmm. in here. I mean, probably one of the greater signings that the Leafs have made the last few years because only you get him for one year below a million dollars, you got him for two years. The, the, there were some who were thinking maybe, maybe his ceiling is second line winger, but then they decided let's put him with Matthews and Marner, see how it goes. You now have a first line winger. And I don't know about you. You getting that for a million dollars? It's it's great value. Hey, I, I vote, and he's on my ballot. I'm not going to say where he's on my ballot, but he's on the Calder ballot. So yeah, that's more than I thought he would do this year. To Definitely. be fair, and and look, this is a guy who, I mean, Arizona had this guy. You're talking about, you know, Arizona would love to have a player like that at what he's yeah. doing right now. Um, if I'm the Flyers, like if you, I think this opens up. I think a lot of avenues for a lot of teams to explore who's somebody that maybe isn't getting that opportunity has that ability and we can maybe say hey we'll give you that opportunity we're not going to give you the money just yet but for for two years michael bunning took a took a bet on himself and the leafs are reaping the wards of it and eventually michael bunting will as well if you know he decides that he wants to make more because he's going to be 28 or 28 when his as deal is done so he'll he'll be in the prime of his career and I guarantee a lot of teams will be calling uh, when that time comes, whether he wants to stay with the Leafs or like, that's a player. I think that a lot of teams like seeing that situation work out so well, I think you're going to see a lot of teams try to mimic that model. Yeah. I'll, I'll say another player. I think Flyers fans would like to uh, cheer on would be captain America, Jack Campbell. I mean, gosh, I, in his draft year, I'm like thinking this guy's got all the potential to be a number one in the league. And, the route that he has taken to become that, even with the Leafs, which seemed like it wasn't even going to be possible, is amazing. So I don't know how you can't root for Jack Campbell. And, and his aw shucks demeanor is real. That's not like baloney. No, it's it's probably the one thing that has like every Leafs fan will go to battle for Jack Campbell for that reason. He's he's such an easygoing guy. Sometimes, yes, he he allows himself to get into his thoughts a little bit and it, mm-hmm. it's something he has worked himself worked really hard to get through right uh, i just remember uh, i mean when i when the least made the when the least made the trade for jack campbell i remember jack campbell from the year that the uh, u.s won the world junior oh yeah 
and he's the one that was a part of that winning team. And so, like, I, I think, though, the Leafs will understand that Jack Campbell is the right fit for this team. The guys in the locker room love him. Like, the, yeah. the relationship he has with Mitch Marner and Austin Matthews, you need you need that. You need a little bit of that in the locker room. It means so much. Speaking of sort of good feelings, uh, Wayne Simmons always projects good feelings amongst Flyers fans. I think we recognize that maybe he wasn't at his best, but we miss his energy and his attitude a lot. Uh, how's he doing right now? And what do you think his contribution will be to the playoffs run for the Leafs? You know, he's had such an up and down year with the Leafs. Um, he, he's understood his role is to be that guy when another team wants to take advantage and, you know, impose their will physically on this team or try to intimidate the Leafs. And he's going to be immense in this playoff series because he's got a guy like Patrick Maroon and Corey Perry who are going to try to get, you know, stir things up, stir the pot up. And Simmons is not going to let that happen. It, it happened, no, the game last night, he tried to avoid it late in the game. And it all kind of escalated. It wasn't even Wayne Simmons' fault, and he gets a fine out of it. I was like, let us all these fans pay for that fine because he does not deserve that fine. Uh, normally, I do not support fans paying athletes fines, but for Wayne Simmons, I'll allow it. But remember, you're going to be paying in Canadian. <laughs> He's going to be getting fined in American funds. Just so right. you know. Fair enough. Fair Just enough. Through. Oh, man. You guys really <laughs> get us on that there. Um yeah, but no, Wayne Simmons is, is – you know, there's people who have had uh, off and on about the idea of Wayne Simmons' role and only having him on the ice because of, you know, he kind of does the physical play really well. But I think he, he provides so much also off the ice with this team. He is he, – he knows the right things to say in these situations. He's calm. He knows not to let the, the, the moment get too big for him and kind of take the undisciplined – approach to the game he's so disciplined i think it it doesn't get enough love from Leafs fans because there's not many like him out there right now and the Leafs have been looking for a guy like this for a long longest time and when he first got here a lot of people were excited there was a lot of excitement to have wayne simmons here and i think in this playoff series i think people are going to have a different appreciation of him because tampa won't be allowed to get away with trying to turn this series into a bit of a a physical affair Wayne Simmons can keep that can keep Tampa at bay and then the other stars can play their game well hopefully he's able to contribute in a positive way Uh, we look forward to that for sure David thank you so much for joining us uh to leave us is there something really fun that the team is doing social media wise or the fan base is doing to make this extra fun for Leafs fans yeah, this is the, I mean, the first, first year we're having fans, right? So having the fans back has been the big one. But they have outside of the arena kind of, they've changed a little bit. Now they're uh, having fans submit their names to get in front of Maple Leaf Square and watch the game oh. on the Jumbotron. So they got Have everybody fun. packed in together. So that's really nice. I, I think the fact that we haven't had the ability to watch this team in person the last few years, especially in the playoffs, the team is really doing their best to embrace that. And get and and the and the players all said it last night that having the fans back in the playoffs because Tron I know Tron gets a bad rap during the during the season about the atmosphere playoffs it's a totally different animal they really the players really felt oh it. no the crowd popped on the Matthews goal that Big was 
it, it, it gives you goosebumps. I'm going to be at one of the games uh, next week, actually. So I can't wait to just get in that atmosphere because it's totally different. And the, the, the Leafs, for as much flack as they get, they do a really good job of giving fans opportunities to go to games, giving them tickets. They have a whole suite dedicated to give fans tickets to come and watch the games in person. Excellent. Uh, where can people find you out there, David? Yeah, you can uh, obviously subscribe to our show, Locked on Leafs, on YouTube. Uh, you can find me on Twitter, D underscore Morisuti. Uh, so that's one R, two S's, and you can probably see it on the screen here. So it's just my last name. Uh, so you can follow me on Twitter there. And uh, yeah, we're, Mike and I are going to keep going five days a week, keep bringing all that content. So if you're wanting to get on the Leafs bandwagon, we will gladly have you join us there. All right. Thanks again, David. Thanks, guys. Bet Online is your number one source for all your betting needs and sports information. Find all of the latest sports developments, league reviews, and news, including this year's basketball playoffs, Major League Baseball, and this weekend's Run to the Roses as the Kentucky Derby is back. Bet Online is your continued source for all your sports wagering information from live betting to playoffs, esports, and more. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about all the trends in action. Bet Online, where the game starts. Okay, this week's prospect profile is about Joachim Kemmel, who is a Finnish right winger. Uh, he's currently ranked top 10 in most draft rankings. Uh, he's listed as high as two and as low as 11 on people's lists. But I would say five, six, seven is the typical. Yeah, that's I've, the range. I've seen. He's number one on the most recent Central Scouting's European list right now. Uh, currently plays in the Finnish top league for Yip. Uh, 23 points in 39 games played, 15 goals, 8 assists. Uh, it should be known that Yip is not a good team. And so there could be that aspect in terms of what his scoring has looked like. He's also had a shoulder injury this year, so he missed five weeks of the season. That's another factor, but he's been a mainstay on Finland's national teams, uh, played for the U18 squad. And, you know, even though he's, you know, barely 18, I think mm -hmm. right now um, has played for the world juniors squad that got canceled. So I think that, He's missed out on some opportunities, I think, to show his skill out there. He's known as a shooter with lots of creativity. I think in the highlights that I've seen, you see him find spaces that I wouldn't have seen going into that play. He's a guy with top six ability. So you start there. So you figure if you're drafting him somewhere from two to seven, there's a chance he's a top liner. He's almost guaranteed to be a second liner. He has a sturdy body. I like the fact that he um, he seems to have a game speed. You know, you would never say that he's, like, super fast. But in game, he moves very well, getting through the zone, getting from point A to point B. He's kind of, like, silky in that way. Mm. His his wrist shot is terrific. I mean, that's where if you want to – if you give him, like, just a little bit of room, forget it. And that's where he finds those spaces that you were talking about. He really can he really can zing the wrist shot, and that's something that I noticed. But also, I've noticed he could um, he can make plays defensively to turn it into offense. He's smart. 
Uh, he's a guy that can keep the puck in the offensive zone a long time. He draws penalties. So he's a really valuable guy. And I do feel like, I don't want to say he's a guaranteed goal scorer because I feel like he has a good mix of both. But I probably lead more towards a goal scorer than a playmaker, but not like a natural goal scorer, but a very good one. Right. Uh, I did also see in a lot of the write-ups about him and, and highlights that he is very physical. So yeah. he likes that aspect of the game in terms of getting involved in battles out on the ice, even though he's not the biggest guy out there. He's not small, but he's not no. big either. But he's going to throw hits anyway because he enjoys it. <laughs> so I, I think that is kind of an underrated part of what he could do out there with having a really balanced game and be able to go toe to toe with more of your top players in the league. Yeah. And he was playing on NHL ice in the U18. So if you go back and watch, you can get a glimpse of what he'll look like. And he's a good teammate. He's a guy that plays the power play. Obviously he's really good on the power play, but he's also a guy you could have out there late in the game when you're looking to, to get points, like one or two points, you're down a goal or two. He, he's one of those guys, too. So that's where coaches have a lot of confidence in him, and he gets played a lot. Like, I don't know how he gets played overseas, but when he gets on the international teams, they use him a lot. So he's used to having a lot of minutes. Chances are the team that gets him isn't going to be that great. So in a couple of years, he'll have a chance to play to play a fair amount. So you mentioned he gets a lot of minutes. I think that was one of my questions in terms of him being coachable, because sometimes with guys like that, they'll want to do their own thing. Do you think he can get integrated into a system? I do. I don't see him as like, like Brad Lambert is a guy that I think sometimes wants to do his own thing because he's got these amazing physical attributes. I don't think Kemmel looks at himself that way or plays or acts that way. So I do think he assimilates in better than most young players, actually. I think I think he'll he'll do that. A lot of these Finns that play on, on the national teams are very coachable. Like you see when they come over, they're really coachable. They're they're usually pretty good defensively already. They take direction. You're always gonna have exceptions because you're gonna have some young guys that maybe aren't mature enough, but but he's mature. Has he played with uh, Tuomala? I don't know. I don't know. Tuomala has played such spotty, you know, work that I couldn't tell you if they've been on this ice at the same time or not. Right. I just think that would be interesting if they had been teammates before to kind of have him at the same time, uh, especially with, you know, how strong Finland's system is in terms of developing yeah. top, top players. But for the Flyers uh, perspective, I would say if I had the second, third or fourth pick, I wouldn't pick him there. Right. I, I think that was my next question. To me, if he's still on the board and the Flyers are at five, he's definitely on the th let's think about yes. him. Yeah. Now I think you're, you're talking, you know, there's him, there's Lekaramaki, mm -hmm. maybe Slikovsky's gone already based on the hype. Um, you're talking maybe about Nemec and maybe about Yerichek just because you should always bring up defensemen. Um, Savoy's probably gone. Cooley's gone. So... You know, you're starting to talk about that that next grouping of guys, and that's fine. He definitely should be in that conversation. I think so, too. I, I think that's the sweet spot. And I, I don't think he's a guy you can trade down for because I think no. unless you're only trading down two spots or so, the chances of him still being there are, are pretty slim. 
Yeah, I think there's a lot of teams that will want him. And I've got a better idea of this in a few months because at, uh, at the Combine, I'll be able to find out who he interviewed with because teams that have no chance at him, like if they're picking 20-something, most of the time won't interview him. Once in a while, they'll interview him just to kind of in case they ever trade for him kind of thing. But most of the time, they won't interview a player like that. So we can get a better idea then. Yeah, I think so too. All right. Well, I think he's definitely, yet again, Russ, you're selling all these kids so well that I'm going to have trouble narrowing down my possibilities. You know, luckily, you happen to be a buyer in the Flyers spot, which is a really good spot to be in. Yeah, absolutely. God, I am just hoping Chuck Fletcher finds a way to get a second round pick because I I think I need like more than one of these guys that we've talked about. They need a second round pick. They really do. I can't stress that enough. All right. We are going to wrap things up with our Flyers fun thing, and that is a highlight reel for Joachim Kemmel. So you can check him out for yourself and see that creativity. Uh, definitely recommend it. He's a lot of fun to watch. We will be back again tomorrow. We're going to catch up with all of the Flyers prospects in the juniors uh, system and see how their seasons wound up, what their playoff outlook looks like, and and talk about whether we think they'll make the jump over to the Phantoms for next season. As a reminder, we always want to hear from you. Send us in your questions via Twitter at LockdownFlyers, or you can email us at LockdownFlyers at gmail.com. I'm Rachel. I'm on Twitter at rmiriam. That's R-M-I-R-I-A-M. I'm Russ. I'm at Sportsology, S-P-O-R-T-S-O-L-O-G-Y. You made us your first listen today. Now make your next listen Locked on NHL with all the latest news and playoff updates from around the league. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts. Have a great day.